0: Well, I said earlier, uh, I felt like as I was getting ready for this that I'm somewhat used used up of all the the Christmas themes, you know, going through Advent, looking at hope and love and joy and peace, and then Christmas Eve, the focus on Jesus born and the celebration that comes of God in the flesh. And and maybe uh, even now that Christmas is over, and I don't know how early it happens for you, we were on a walk yesterday, and it looked like one of our neighbors in our neighborhood had already taken their Christmas decorations down. You know, their, their, their porch was bare, and it, it had that appearance of having been cleaned recently, and nothing could be seen inside, and we were pretty sure they'd had certain things out. And the question even starts arising, when will we take down Christmas decorations? You know, it just happened. But when will we take them down? And all of a sudden, we're looking forward to the next week and New Year's Eve and 22, 2022 coming our way, and maybe we ask ourselves, well, what's next now that we've gotten this out of the way, now that Christmas is over, what's next? What do we do next? And I thought that would be a good way of looking at things today, since it's the day after Christmas. What, what next? You know, and and Luke has the story of Jesus' birth, the journey to Bethlehem, and the uh, shepherds being told about the baby and going and seeing the baby. Matthew has a different account, and Matthew's account is actually well after that first account, and so we're going to take a look in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 18, at what is, what next? What do we do next? What's the response I would say, to this child who was born. And, and we're going to start, because some of the themes that we're going to look at go back and forth and, and skip over one another, we're just going to read the whole thing and then we're going to zero in on a few specific characters and how they respond to Jesus. So begin with me here in, in Matthew chapter 2. We're gonna, I'm, I'm going to read verses 1 through 18. Matthew tells us, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard about this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream, not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night, and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. I know that's a lot that we read. We have here several different people, all with the same news that someone has been born king of the Jews. And the question is, how do they respond? And I would say, even for us, the question is, how do we respond to the news of Jesus Christ? Jesus shared a parable once that uh, equated the Word of God to seed being planted in soil, and that the soil represented different kinds of people. And how we respond to that message, some seed is hard or excuse me some land is hard like the road and the seed can't even get into it and the birds of the air come by they eat the seeds and so that ground obviously never receives the word other ground is uh, rocky and well the, the the seeds are able to grow some kind of a plant but it doesn't ever produce anything because it's so rocky that when it grows up as soon as there's a harsh day of sunlight it burns the the plants up Other soil, other people are uh, full of thorns in their lives. And as the seed takes root and grows, the thorns choke it out. And it never produces a fruit. The worries of the world. The final seed is, uh, the final land is good soil. And when the seed goes into it, it grows up. And there's no rocks in the way. There's no thorns in the way. And that seed, when it comes to fruition, it produces a crop. And Jesus told us this story to show us the different ways that we respond to and and the different struggles we have in responding to the gospel message. And, And I would say maybe we don't see exactly the same, but we see a similar thing in this chapter. There are different people who respond to the message of the King of the Jews in different ways. The first group that we see are those who... Well, let's just start off on the positive, shall we? Everybody has a response, and some people, their response, some people make the effort to worship Jesus. Some people make the effort to worship Jesus when they hear of Him, when they live their lives. You know, you ever notice, and, and, and I'm, I'm constantly sometimes, it feels like, confronted with people that I meet that grew up in church and then there's no evidence, though, that they still, not just go to church, because, you know, just because you go to church doesn't mean anything. But there's not the, the aspect of they're living a life of faith, that they're growing from those things. And often I can tell it because their, their happiest, warmest thoughts of church are things like VBS and different things that they did as a child. And those things are great. You know, if you were in GAs or RAs, that's great. But as an adult, hopefully you've got newer memories that even crowd out those memories of things that God is teaching you. And, and oftentimes the, the stories center not on what God has taught them or what God has said, but on the activity of the church. Does that make sense? You know, their memories are, oh, we used to do this, we used to do that. Not, oh, this is when I realized this. This is when God taught me that. Some people, they can, they can grow up in the church and they can hear the same messages, but they, when they get older, things come in the way. And they don't quite make the effort. And, and, and I want to stress, it does take effort, doesn't it, to worship Jesus. You have to make the effort to get up, to get dressed, to go to church. You have to make the effort even to focus your heart and your mind on Him. It doesn't come easily. It doesn't come naturally. We have to, when you're angry, it takes effort to redirect your anger to praise and to focus on God and His righteousness. When we are frustrated, it takes effort on our part to focus our energy to Him and to wait on His Holy Spirit sometimes. I'm not saying it's all on us, but when we worship, it does take some effort. And, and that's what we see here, that you have the magi, these men, make the effort to worship Jesus. Jesus. They come, the the Scripture tells us in verse 1 there, that they come from the east. They arrive from the east. Now, uh, it's believed they came from maybe as far away as Iran. I I would say most likely northeastern Iraq, where Daniel was in Babylon, and where supposedly his tomb is still in another town there in in Iraq. Daniel, while he served the Babylonians and then later the, the Persians, He died there. He left all of his stuff there. He left his writing. He left, to a certain extent, a knowledge and a worship of God there. And these magi, they're not perfect Jewish people. They They are pagans. They are worshiping and studying the stars. They have twisted, to a certain extent, their knowledge and understanding. And yet they see a star. They recognize the star as being the star of the one who was born king of the Jews. And they pick up and go on a journey to worship Him. To, to celebrate His birth, they make the effort. And it is a long effort. It takes them a journey. And how long are they... I mean, we don't know how long they were there in Bethlehem, but it's, the way it reads, it's like they, they showed up, they worshipped Him, and then they left the next day by a different route. It's such a long journey for such a short time. And yet, they make the effort to go and worship Him. Not only do they make the effort to worship Him, but when they get there, and, and, and we love the, the language of it, you know, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That, that's just when they, and, and, and i really kind of wondering, you know, how do they, they must have a better understanding of navigation than I ever will because they're they able to figure out that that star is right over the right house. How they do that, I don't know. Is it a real star, or is it something else going on? We don't know. What we do know is that when they they connected it to him and they followed it to him and they saw where it was and they go into the house and after coming into the house, they saw the child. And this is one of the clues that tells us that Jesus is a little bit older because the word is for a young child, not a baby. They see the child with Mary his mother and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. They prostrate themselves before him. There is almost a sense, you know, all the, the... Christmas cards and pictures and nativity scenes, they almost always show them at least kneeling. If we wanted to be accurate, it would probably be better to have them laying flat on their faces in worship. A a practice that we are not quite used to in in the West, but is practiced elsewhere. They prostrate, they fall to the ground and worship Him. And then what do we see? That opening their treasures... Opening their wallets, in a sense. You know, that, this, was, this was their storehouse. This was their store. Just when Jesus tells us to store up treasures in heaven and not here on earth, you know, your, your place where your money is kept. That's what they're doing. They open up their wallets, in essence. They have bigger wallets than we do. And they give of Him, out of their, pre, their treasures, they presented to Him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They don't just worship Him with the effort and the journey. They make the effort in the sense that they worship Him with their goods, their tithes. That takes effort. It takes effort to think about how much am I going to give the Lord? What's the right amount? What, what amount makes me feel like, yes, I am worshiping, not just, oh, I'm checking a box? We think about it. Paul told the, the Corinthians that they were to, to consider early on at the first of the week, how much they would give, and to set it aside. It should not just be an afterthought. It shouldn't just be, well, whatever is in my wallet. It takes effort. It takes thought. It takes planning. It takes consideration. And they do that. They take the time and they make the effort to worship Jesus. And and as we come together, as we gather together, whether it's, uh, you know, this has taken effort. It takes time to, to make sure the songs are, are played correctly and that everybody's on track together. It takes time and thought to say, what should that worship service look like? It takes time and thought to say, okay, what, where do we need, I mean, this is a big book and there's a lot of good stuff in it. What are we going to focus on today, which carries with it the idea that we're not going to focus on anything else today? That takes effort. That takes time. It takes effort and time to come together. It takes effort and time to, even to, to get our spirits and our souls in the right frame of mind, doesn't it, sometimes? Saturday night, I'm always praying about, Lord, get us ready so that we can worship you tomorrow. Help us in our frame of mind and our hearts to be ready. You know, it, it, it takes effort for us to, to be able to have people join us at home. It takes a lot of effort to get it up. And then it takes effort. You might say, oh, no, it's easy. We just roll out of bed. No, it takes effort. A lot of people don't do it. It takes the conscious decision to join in, to be here now with us. It takes effort. Not everybody makes that same decision. And in, in fact, in this story, now there's another, there's another group of people who make the effort. Unfortunately, they make the wrong effort. Some people, the, the effort they make is to seek to corrupt the gospel. Some people, they seek to corrupt the gospel. And, and this our representative for this today is Herod. Give Herod his due. When he heard about this supposed baby, born king of the Jews, he took it seriously. He believed. We're, we're told that all of Jerusalem was hearing it that the Magi were going around and talking to the people and asking, where is he who was born King of the Jews? And we're told, when King Herod heard this, which means the scuttlebutt, the, 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 the rumors, the gossip was going around, it was enough that it got to the king's ears. He wasn't in the marketplace hearing them. But enough of it was talked about that he heard this. That there are some foreigners who just showed up, and they're looking for the one who was born. They're not looking for you, Herod. Notice that Matthew takes effort. Jesus was born of Ju- in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, verse 1. Where is he who was born king of the Jews, verse 2. When Herod the king... Okay, Matthew wants to let us know something. This new child is a threat to Herod. Herod the king doesn't like hearing about the one who was born to be king of the Jews, the one who was born king of the Jews, who's a a, a child and yet has a better claim to the throne than Herod does. Because let's be honest, Herod doesn't really, he's not Jewish. He doesn't have a good claim. His, His hold on his throne is such that he is willing to kill his wife and his sons to maintain it. Let me tell you something. For a man like Herod, the uh, slaughter and the murder of, we don't know how many babies and children, two years and younger, does not phase the man. He is more concerned about himself and his power. And he is willing to corrupt the gospel message, this message of, there is a baby who has been born king of the Jews, there is one who has been born. He is willing to, to corrupt that message. Uh, we, we see it here in verse 4. He, he gathers together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and He asks them, He inquires them where the Messiah was to be born. You've got these magi from the east. They're looking for Him. He wants to find out where. Notice, He doesn't know. He is not a king in the line of David who would have known where this was going to be happening because the king of Jerusalem, of Judea, and, and Israel was supposed to make a record for himself of the law of Moses. He should have known about the prophecies if he was worshiping God. He does not know. But he asks and he finds out. And then in verse 7, Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. Let me tell you something. He made the effort. That word determined means to inquire carefully. In fact, it's the same, it's the verb, and then later when he says in verse 8, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully. It's the same root word, it's the verb, and then carefully is an adverb, talking about you know, how are they supposed to search carefully. But it's the idea to, to, to learn, and to discern, and inquire diligently. Like, you're not just supposed to kind of wander around, no, seek carefully, search carefully for that child. And in the same way, Herod is carefully learning. He is diligently seeking to understand. And, and, you know, if he anticipated that these uh, magi were going to come back to him and he had no reason to doubt them, but notice he takes the time and the effort to find out from them before he tells them where to go. He's already found out. He he confers with the chief priests and the scribes. Where is the Messiah to be born? Bethlehem, got it. And then he goes and he calls the the Magi secretly and he says, when did you first see that star? When did that star show up? And and he he, he asks them, inquires them, and only when when he has gotten all the information he wants from them does he tell them the information they want, that they need. And, And even then, he's only telling them so that it would benefit him. Go, find the child. When you have found him, come back and report to me so that I too may worship him. Now we know that he doesn't really intend to worship. But here's the thing. Herod is thinking, uh, plan A, the Magi come back, they tell me exactly the house I go in there, I kill the baby, and I'm good to go. Plan B, the Magi fail me for some reason, at least. I know the region, and I know roughly the ages I need to take care of. It's a wider net, it's a little bit more brutal, but it's his backup plan. First plan is, let me just take care of the one. Come tell me about it. And we know, of course, that the Magi, they are warned in a dream, and so they go a different way. And so instead, Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked, uh, literally made sport of to be mocked by the Magi. Now, the Magi didn't do that, they just didn't come back through Jerusalem. But that's his feelings. That's how Matthew describes it. He was tricked by the Magi. He became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Now, does that mean that Jesus was two? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. His age is really immaterial. The point is is that Herod spent the time and the energy and the effort to consider... I, I would think maybe Jesus is like a year old. Maybe the star showed up a year ago and he's covering his bases. But I, that's just me. I'm just making that up. We don't know how old he was. What we know is that uh, Herod determined... He understood when the star showed up and he determined to kill children two years old and younger based on the information the Magi gave him. That's the most important thing. Is He takes the effort, he takes the time to plan, and then he sends people to go do it. All not so that he might worship, but so that he might contain the power and, 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 and maintain his power and control over the people. I think there are people in the world today who seek to corrupt the Gospel and they might not even realize it. They're, they're watching out for themselves. But the message that they share isn't the truth? If anything, they take the truth and they use it for their own purposes. And a lot of times it is connected to power and control. So, if true worshipers are like the, uh, the magi, I would say these are the wolves in sheep's clothing in our midst. Herod is king. He is nominally king of the Jews. There's one who has been born, though, who's King of the jews and that scares him there's a lot of people who don't want the holy spirit messing with their church they don't want they don't want to be doing what god has told us clearly and plainly to do in scripture because it's going to mess up their whole game And we have to watch out for them they are taking the gospel and they seek to corrupt it to their own benefits and that's what that's what herod is doing here there are people who misuse scripture for their own glory who who instead of constantly pointing to Christ, spend their time pointing to themselves. And there's a lot of people in the world today, that's what they're looking for. And they flock to these, these false teachers. And they listen to a corrupt Gospel. Because the Gospel that says, take up your cross and follow Me, isn't as good as the Gospel that says, God wants you to have your best life today. He wants you to have that new car. He wants you to have that new house. He wants you to have, have, have. And we follow a God who said, give, give, give. Don't hold on to it. Don't store it up here on earth. Store it up in heaven. Give to the one who lacks and to the one who asks of you your coat. Give him your cloak as well. Our God did not call us to have, but to give. To make the effort to to seek Him out and to worship Him. Not to make the effort to to cover up and to hide the Gospel or to corrupt it. There's a third group in here that we probably don't even think about because uh, the Magi are so awesome and then Herod is so despicable. But there's a third group of people that are alive and well today. The scribes and the Pharisees. These are people who simply ignore Jesus. And there are some people today who will simply ignore Jesus. They may have the information. They may not. You know, they ignore him. Maybe they enjoy all the trappings of Christmas, but they don't want to bother with the child. Their hearts might be cold or hard to the gospel. You might want to share with them, but they're just not there. What's really bad, though, is when they have all the knowledge and they're not really there. Because the people in this story who ignore Jesus are the ones who, sh- who have all the information. You know, uh, the Magi don't have all the information. They, 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 they followed a star. They don't know where he's supposed to be born. And for whatever reason, the star has stopped guiding them when they get to Jerusalem. Which, based on our look at peace last week, it makes you wonder why God purposed for the star to stop. Maybe he had reasons for wanting to stir up stuff in Jerusalem to let these people know, to let Herod know, to let the crowds know. The the Magi are asking, and and all Jerusalem appears to, to hear it because it eventually gets to Herod's ear. And Herod, he calls together, gathers together the chief priests and the scribes of the people. And he inquires of them. Where the Messiah was to be born, and and give Herod his due. At least he cares. At least he uh, recognizes Jesus as a threat. At least, and and I was corrupt, but he has an idea that if one has been born as the Messiah, that's a that's a danger to my power structure. Here you have the chief priests and the scribes, the people who spend all their time studying the Word. In fact, when Herod asks them, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? They have the answer ready to go. Uh, Bethlehem of Judea. For this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They, They know it. They know it cold. And yet... What did they do when the Magi were walking around saying, where is he? We have come to worship the one who has been born, king of the Jews. We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Can they be bothered? These Magi have come from miles and miles away, hundreds of miles away. They have traveled by caravan. Bethlehem is a day's journey, not even. You can do that walk. Go there and back again. They don't bother. you got these foreigners who showed up saying, we, we've been following a star. And we've come to celebrate and to worship the one who has been born king of the Jews. And, and these Magi, they, they apparently don't even have the, they couldn't even care enough to tell the Magi, oh yeah, that's in Bethlehem. Herod, Herod hears, he says, wow, I better, I better nip this in the bud. But these chief priests and the scribes, they, could, they couldn't care less. They don't bother to follow up. They don't bother to check. And this is the sad thing, is there are people sometimes, and, and, and the worst part is, is when we raise them up in the church and they have all the information, and then they just don't do anything with it. Because you can't, you know, it's the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, you can't make it drink. You, you can try all you want, but if that, if that soil is like a road, if it's hard packed, it's just not going to accept it. Or if there are rocks in the way or thorns. These guys are more interested in their positions and their studying in theory to go and actually get themselves dirty by going to some house. I mean, I always love this picture of these, these magi. We don't even know how many of them are. We know they had three gifts. But these magi show up and we always picture them dressed richly, don't we? Bowing down before a child or even a baby in a lot of our pictures. And I, I picture them, did they, did they set up camp just outside of Bethlehem and so they stayed in their own tents? Or did they, did they crash out on the couch you know, in the house that Mary and Joseph were renting at the time? How did these, I mean, just the dichotomy of, of these scholars from another land who, who come into this house that's so dirty and, and common and poor, what an amazing thing. That's the thing that, see, the chief priests and the scribes, they would never do. What's, what's the thing that they keep saying about Jesus? You know, the Pharisees and the scribes and the priests. He eats with sinners. He, he, he socializes with these people. They, they, they didn't want to get close. They don't even bother. They, they simply ignore Him. And this is worse, I think, than Herod. At least Herod is actively engaged he might be actively engaged in a negative way but he's actively engaged with god how much worse you know if you're arguing at least you're communicating in some way as much as we don't like to to fight and argue with one another you know what's worse is when a person just brushes you aside and walks away doesn't want to have anything to do with the argument doesn't want to have anything to do with you just ignores you That is worse than the hate that we see in Herod. They just don't care. So hopefully, and I know it's kind of weird, we started with the the positive one, right? Usually you end on the positive note. There's one more person I want to look at, though, real quick. He's the man of the hour. Verse 13. when When the Magi left... An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. To destroy him. To completely obliterate his existence. 14. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. He bugged out. He was told to bug out. In fact, Joseph, it was recently shown to me that Joseph doesn't have a single line in Scripture. Mary has more to say than Joseph does. He never speaks as far as Scripture has recorded. What we see Joseph do though is four times he receives a dream from an angel messenger. This is the second one. Later he receives a dream that it's time to leave Egypt, Herod is dead. And then he receives another dream, not to stay in Judea, in the Bethlehem area, but to go to Galilee. And that's how he ends up in Nazareth. And that's why Jesus is called a Nazarene. All dreams, all told what to do. And then the very next thing we see is Joseph doing it. When the angel says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The child that's within her is from the Holy Spirit. You're gonna, he's, he's God in the flesh. You're going to name him Emmanuel. Joseph immediately, he wakes up and he does it. Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded. And that's what he does now. The angel says, get out of here. Don't wait. Don't delay. Go now. Herod is going to seek to destroy the child. Joseph gets up and he goes. And so this is what I love about him. that Joseph, he hears and he obeys. He listens to the angels and he obeys. And I think... When we ask what next, that's what we are called to do. What next? We are called to listen and obey God. To listen to and obey God. What next? What for 2022? We need to listen to God, to hear Him, to seek Him. And then when we hear from Him, we need to obey Him. The very next thing, you know, the the Christmas, it's a beautiful, idyllic scene. The Magi are worshiping him. And yet in the background, Herod is working his plan. And that idyllic scene that we put on Christmas cards and postcards and nativity scenes. The very next thing is uh, you wake up in the middle of the night. I mean, just picture it to be in Mary's shoes. Joseph awakens her and says, we're leaving. Now, an angel of the Lord just spoke to me. Only what we can carry. Let's go. And they are gone that night. They don't come back to the little house. What, I mean, you think about all the memories they must have. If you, if you think about some of the early memories, you know, when you are little or first child in your house. You know, maybe you've moved since then. You can't ever go back, but you have those memories there. They had those memories there, and they had to flee it all. But Joseph was willing to listen to God. And when God spoke to him, he obeyed. We don't see Joseph do anything else. He doesn't talk. He doesn't have any great profound things to say like Mary does in The Magnificent. But what does he do? He obeys. We see him wordlessly get up and follow. And we are called to listen and to obey. What's next? What what, what next thing are you going to be doing? Is it the thing that you want to do or is it the thing God's calling you to? Sometimes we can get so excited. I did that last year. I had all sorts of plans for 2021. All sorts of plans. Let me tell you, most of them didn't happen. And this past year, I heard a resounding, no, David, let me show you what I really want you to do. And when that happens, are we willing to obey? What's next for you? What's coming next year, next week? Listen to the Lord. Seek Him. Make the effort to seek Him. To hear from Him. Not to destroy it, not to corrupt it, not to use it for your own purposes, but that you might hear clearly what He is calling you to do. And then whatever He shows you, obey. Let's seek in the year 2022 to listen to the Lord and to obey Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You've called us to be Your children, that You speak to us, that You teach us, that You guide us with Your Holy Spirit. As we come down off the the mountain of Christmas, as we look to a new year coming our way, we pray, Lord, that we would seek Your face, that we would listen to You, and as You guide us and direct us, even if it's a different way than a friend is going. Lord, that You would help us to be obedient to You. We pray, Father, for those that we know and love who are like the scribes and the priests. They're just indifferent. Lord, we pray that You would shake them up, that You would wake them up, that they would be stirred to deal with the questions and the claims that Jesus Christ brings into our lives. We pray, Father, for those like Herod who seek to use the Gospel for their own purposes. They corrupt its glory and its might and make it something human. Lord, we pray that You would convict them. That You would trouble them to the point where they repent. and That they turn to Christ. They turn to Your truth and to walk in obedience humbly before You. Father, we pray for anyone here today who does not know Jesus, who has not yet placed their faith in Him and decided to trust in Him. We pray, Lord, that they would make the effort to to recognize and, and to investigate, to see are these claims true? And if so, Lord, that they would seek to worship Him and to believe in Him and to follow Him. We ask these things today in Jesus' name. Amen.